tell the podcasters what you made. Yes. Okay. So when I was little, my grandma taught my brother and I how to embroider. Uh, and we did it when we were little and then like never again, she kept all the embroidery stuff and I recently started getting back into it. And so I embroidered, um, her name is Karen, uh, and I embroidered like a K on the back of a jean jacket with a bunch of embroidery people will know lazy daisy flower stitches (laughs) on the back, like filling in the K. It's really cute. There are a bunch Mm -hmm. of different colors and it it's fits really, really well. Cool. I'm yeah. very excited about it. <laughs> the first people I ever met was this guy in my speech writing class in college who wore a tie everywhere and brought his typewriter to class because he was going to write oh. the next great American novel. Oh, that's terrible. Rough. Yeah. Anyway, I feel that we should probably start yes. now. I'm talking yes. too much. We're starting. We're starting. Hello. Welcome to Lit in Love. I'm Mariah. And I'm Haley. <laughs> and this is a podcast about books and the love that exists within books. Welcome. Yeah, and every single time, just picture me doing finger guns because I am. Finger guns and peace signs. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so ah. we already caught up. So I can just do my little segment on that book yes. I've been reading, um, yes. How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram X. Kendi. Um, I probably won't go through the whole book because I'm taking a really long time to read it, um, and that'll like drag out. And also, I'm not even really summarizing it. I'm just kind of like giving little quotes because... I think that's fun to pepper it in. You're giving out little teasers to little make teasers. people want more. Yeah, because I took this long to read a book on anti-racism, like, in any sort of depth and not just, like, passages. Yeah. I really want to, like, yeah. get all the way through it, and so I think it would be good to encourage other people to do that. So, anyway, I will read my quote of the episode. Um, we good. are what people see us as, whether what they see exists or not. So, in this passage, it's in the chapter about power. He is describing race as a mirage because Mm -hmm. it's a made-up concept, and yet, like, we can all see it if we're made to see it. Like, it's been made to matter and exist by those who wield the power. Um, Mm -hmm. And so he goes into the history of racism, and, like, there's... Recently on the internet, I saw a joke in a couple different places that was like, oh, the Portuguese invented racism. And, like, Mm -hmm. that's actually kind of true because Prince Henry, the navigator, uh, started the slave trade and he was Portuguese. Mm -hmm. But, like, I think it was the concept of racism that, like, I don't want to get too deep into that. But it justified the slave trade. So, yeah, it was like, oh, well, they were doing it first. So it's totally fine that we are doing it. Yes. And also, like, the whole concept of racism was a really um attractive thing for them to hinge everything Mm -hmm. on because it's like this is this easily identifiable thing that justifies Mm -hmm. the evil that we're doing so anyway but his middle name was henry um Mm -hmm. and when he learned that he was like i don't i want to distance myself from that person (laughs) and that evil um yeah so he that's when he changed his middle name to zolani which means peace so that's what the x stands for (laughs) 
fun fact. Oh, just very make good. It a and little very bit much, better. Yeah, very much the opposite of the inventor of racism. So yep, I I just liked that part. Um, chapter three on power has been very enlightening. Mm-hmm. And that's like the quote. It's like whether what they see exists or not. It's like mm-hmm. the power that other people have. Like no matter what mm-hmm. your can-do attitude is and how you see yourself, you're still going to be affected by people that live in the world. Like, yeah, it's yeah, it's inescapable. I know that there's all the like, yeah. oh, well, just be who you are, and it's like, well, yes, you should, mm-hmm. but also we can't like toxic Ignore. positivity our way out of racism. Yeah. It's just a reality because it's been made a reality. And, um, like, I remember in 2020, D'Angelo Wallace, who's, like, a famous YouTuber, somebody was saying, like, stop making everything political. And he's Mm -hmm. like, I'm just tired of my existence being political. Like, that's just a part of me. And I can't choose that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. All right. So that is the end of the How to Be an anti-racist segment please check out that book it's probably available at your library yes um okay and really quick before we get started into the episode uh just trigger warnings for addiction substance abuse um and here is a uh helpline for substance abuse and mental health services we'll also put it in the description of the episode um it is SAMHSA's National Helpline, and it's free, it's confidential, 24-7, 365 days a year, treatment referral and information service, it's in English and in Spanish, and you can call 1-800-662-4357, and that spells out help at the end there, Um, and yeah, we'll put the link in the description, so take care of yourselves, as always, with all trigger warnings. Yeah, you may think that you're reading, like, a fun romp but, you know, real life is messy, and so sometimes this stuff yes, comes up. Yes, 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 Okay, so today's book is Daisy Jones and the Six by Taylor Jenkins Reid. And shout out uh, again to a person I follow on Instagram who shared this book, like, so many months ago. Uh, her name is Rosie B. Me, and I, like, wanted to buy it for so long, but it looked so short, and it was so expensive. So I waited a really <laughs> long time to buy it. Wait, so you thought the price of the book is too much for the amount of book that you get? So I knew that I was going to read it really fast. Yeah. And I was like, it's going to be a $30 book and I'm going (laughs) to read it in like two or three hours. That's so funny. (laughs) So I was trying to wait. I was trying to wait for it to be cheaper. So it was like in my uh, wish list or whatever. So I ended up reading it immediately before I watched the show and it worked out for me. So it is an Amazon Prime limited series and Taylor Jenkins Reid also wrote another popular book of hers is The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, which I'm going to be reading and hopefully we'll be doing that on the pod later. Yes. It's so good. So I'm excited to read it. Um, And so this book is a historical fiction novel published in 2019. It tells the story of a 1970s band that, uh, and it gives like individual interviews leading up to their final show and subsequent breakup as a band. And it's told in an oral history format with like a bunch of interviews from band members and like people that knew the band and biographers. 
and it includes emails, song lyrics, and transcripts. The interviewer is like an unnamed narrator throughout the entire book. And Mm. each section is split into years, and it's like titled with like fun little things. Um, And it contains like critical events that lead up to the band's success and eventual demise. Also, shout out to Wikipedia for a lot of this. I found a very good page. Um, and then I also <laughs> read a article, like an interview article with Taylor Jenkins Reid. I think it was from Desert News. But it was basically saying that it was she was inspired by Fleetwood Mac and the romance between Stevie Nicks and Lindsey Buckingham and the recording of their 1977 album, Rumors. Mm-hmm. So she watched the 1997 performance uh, by Fleetwood Mac on MTV and when she was a teenager and she believed that like they were still together after just yeah. seeing them in can like I ask, play together oh yeah ask, go is that like the silver springs recording that everyone refers to because i'm pretty what? sure that was in the 90s too let me see oh gosh i didn't save the uh tab it would be, yeah, 1997, because they got back together to, like, do a, like, two or three hour performance on MTV. That's so cool. Okay. Yeah, I think it has to be. But, yeah. People refer to that as, like, her putting a, a spell on him. <laughs> yep. Um, and so she said, it looked so much like two people in love and yet we'll truly, we'll never truly know what lived between them. And I wanted to write a story about that and how the lines between real life and performance can get blurred about how singing about old wounds might keep them fresh. Um, and so that was an interesting inspiration for the book. And I really enjoyed the whole vibe of it. Uh, cause she like, it's supposed to be in the 1970s, which is like a very fun time for like fashion and music. Mm-hmm. Uh, she drew inspiration from a bunch of other musicians like Bruce Springsteen, the Eagles, Joni Mitchell, Tom Petty, Jackson Brown, and Crosby, Stills, and Nash, et cetera, et cetera. So it's just got like very fun vibes of being a rock and roll star in the 1970s. Yeah. I mean, I've wanted that since I was a child. So <laughs> we're it. chasing the high of those shag haircuts and bell bottoms. Okay. <laughs> They don't look like they smell good, but they look like they're having a oh, good time. Oh, no. Everybody probably smelled so bad, but they didn't know sure. that they smelled bad because nobody smelled that good. Yeah. And they were Ignorance all smoking enough things that there were enough scents <laughs> to cover it up. Yeah. It's totally fine. Oh, gosh. I always talk about how I would not do well in, like, any other time period. I have <laughs> too many comforts. <laughs> That is true. I deodorant. I do, I do like deodorant. I like my cell phone. Um, <sighs> you know, maybe I would be forced to leave the house more. And I that might know. be good for me. I don't know. I know. Ridiculous. <sighs> okay. So there are a bunch of characters in this book. Um, so I'm basically just going to like do a very quick rundown and then you'll get to know them as I go through the plot. Cause I tried to be a little bit more detailed with the plot. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, as you can see, Haley, this is for you in the notes. I started doing very detailed and then was done after Daisy. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's the, okay. Daisy Jones is the titular character of the novel. She is this like beautiful, talented, 
white rich girl who um, grew up very lonely and frankly had terrible rich parents. Um, she like has a bunch of self worth issues because of this, and she becomes alcoholic and she is a drug addict. Just all of those things. Um, and sh- at the beginning, you kind of get the sense that she's going to be like a manic pixie dream girl. Mm. Uh, like the way that her biographer talks about her and the way that other people talk about her that like just briefly met her while she was young. Um, but she kind of rejects that trope and it does make me happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll just say this one. Her best friend, Simone, says if the rest of the world was silver, Daisy was gold. Like hmm. she's just that eye-catching okay and then the two brothers that started the band the six uh it was billy and graham dunn uh they started a band when they were young in pittsburgh pennsylvania they called it the dunn brothers um (laughs) and which is great i love when people's last names are like also a word that's normal like you'd be Mm -hmm. like we're done great (laughs) love it Um, they grew up with a single mom. Their dad left when Billy was like six years old, which I cannot imagine. That's like a kindergartner. Mm -hmm. Uh, and his dad was like, I'm going to Georgia. And Billy asked if he could come with him. And his dad was like, no. And like, that was it. He just left. It's so sad. Dad was probably a war vet, like traumatized on his own. (sighs) We'll get, we'll get to him later. He's actually very terrible. Interesting. Um, Okay. Yeah, so, and so Graham is a younger brother. I think he was probably, like, three or four years younger than Billy because he doesn't remember his dad at all. Um, and then a couple other people that are in their band at the beginning um, are Pete Loving, who's just, like, one of Graham's friend and very easygoing and does not let being a rock star go to his head in any way at all. He's like, this is just something that I'm doing. This is what I ended up doing. Very level-headed. Very fun. And I think he plays the guitar. And then they auditioned another person, and his name was Chuck Williams. Um, And he did their, like, rhythm guitar, I think. Uh And he was, like, very opposite of all of them. He was very clean-cut. He had, like, a flat-top haircut and all that (laughs) stuff, but he was very, like, nice. And, um, and then later in the band, they end up having Pete's, um, younger brother, Eddie, um, who (laughs) they do make him a little bit better in the show, but he's kind of an asshole. You understand why he's an asshole sometimes, but other times he's just being difficult. (laughs) Um, and then Karen Serco is at the beginning, the only girl in the band. She's the keyboardist, and she's a badass, and she's very awesome, and I like her a lot. Cool. And then uh, Warren Rhodes is their drummer. And I don't know if you've seen, like, the pictures of the show, like the teasers mm-hmm. and trailers or whatever. He's the one that has, like, really curly hair and a mustache. <laughs> Sick. And, okay, um, so that makes him even cooler because he has the coolest name. And the drummer oh, is yes. really cool. Yes, 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 yes. Um, And he also, he doesn't get involved in, like, all of the band drama. He's like, I mean, I'm having a good time drumming. Whatever happens, happens. So it's good to have those two people within this group, because otherwise it wouldn't have started. Yeah. So. 
And then Simone Jackson, who is also a really, basically all of the women, women characters in this book are really awesome. And I like them. Um, Simone Jackson was a disco star who was older than Daisy and she becomes Daisy's best friend. And not just like, oh, we're friends and they see each other or whatever. They're very good friends. And she like takes care of Daisy in the best way that she can. When she first like came to live with her, uh, Simone was making sure that she finished high school and that she graduated. She's like, you have to do all this. You have to finish this. Um, they're just like very sweet friends and it makes me happy. That's great. I love a strong female friendship. Yes. Yes. Um, and then Teddy Price ends up being their like music producer, um, with their record label. And he ends up kind of being like a father figure to Billy and he's a very talented producer and he kind of like guides them on their way to like success. And then Rod Reyes ends up being their manager. Um, and he is also very good at taking care of them. So because cool. like it's a bunch of like kids basically at yeah. the beginning. And then they get to LA or California and it's like everybody's going wild. And he's like, I have to take care of these people and get yeah. them to their shows. So how old um, is the age range in the band? So I think in the very beginning, they started when they were in high school. Like the Dunn oh brothers gosh. started when they were in high school. Yeah. Okay. And then they like, when they get out of high school, then uh, they like add more people to the band in Pittsburgh. And then they like keep adding people as they move to different places. Okay. Um, so I don't know how old they are like at the end of the interview process. I feel like they're probably like late 20s, early 30s when the band breaks up. I feel like that's what they're supposed to look like in the show because all of those people are like in their mid 30s to 40. Yeah, yeah. It's always 10 years, minus 10 years. Yeah. Uh, Camilla Alvarez is Billy's girlfriend and then later wife. She is probably the strongest like character i highlighted a lot of her quotes she's very wise um and then billy and camilla have three daughters julia Susanna, and maria and um then jonah berg is like a important figure in the book because he does a lot of i think he's like a fictional rolling stones person so he like writes articles about them that help catapult them to success and then Niccolo Argento uh, ends up being a one of, or a husband of Daisy's, and he's really terrible. He's, like, Italian, and he meets her in Thailand. They kind of, like, go off the rails together, and she ends up divorcing mm. him. Uh, okay, he's so, like, bad ba- Bad news. Yeah, bad news. He reminds me, have you seen, is it Practical Magic mm-hmm. with uh, Nicole Kidman and... Yeah. Uh, and Sandra oh Bullock. Yes, and Sandra Bullock. He reminds me of the, like, bad boyfriend in that movie. <laughs> yes, I am like, picturing he's, it. He's not as... I don't think that he's, like, as evil, but he's a bad guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think they have so, to murder him, but... Yeah, I get yeah, it. yeah, yeah. It, I know it was an accident, but whatever. <laughs> um, but so it was, like, one of those like, where it's, like, no one's sad he's dead, you know? 
Exactly. And the only reason that guy's looking for him is because he's probably murdered other people. Yeah. Yeah. Ridiculous. Um, but yeah, he's like, he's not a good dude. We're happy when she gets divorced. The book is divided into sections like you're reading a biography. So the beginning, uh, titled The Groupie, Daisy Jones, key takeaways, Daisy's parents suck. They never cared about where she was or like that even that she was gone. Like she would come back after being gone for like weeks and her dad would be like, did you make coffee? When she would come in in the morning and she's like, I don't even live here anymore. (laughs) It, like, they're so, and it's not like, I don't, it doesn't mention that her parents were on drugs. It's just that they were so self-absorbed and they literally did not care about their child. Yeah, um, just emotional I think neglect. Emotionally detached. Like, they, yeah. her dad was, like, a famous painter. Um, and I think her mm. mom was, like, a model. And he didn't paint any pictures of his daughter. <laughs> and I'm guessing he would do human subjects. Yeah, he did, like, nudes of, like, so many people. Wow. So, they're terrible. They don't know how to their clothes on, apparently. Yeah, yeah. And, like, they had a bunch of artist friends who painted Daisy or drew Daisy or, like, took inspiration mm-hmm. because she's just, like, a beautiful, like, happy, wonderful child. But her parents mm-hmm. didn't care. Um, and mm-hmm. so she was very young when she started going out to the clubs. She like lived in California. She grew up in California. She started going to like the sunset strip when she was super young going to, I think it was called the whiskey tango was like a place to be. Uh, I think that that's real. It's like a club where a bunch of bands started. Um, so she's super young. She just sneaks her way in. She lost her virginity to an asshole drummer of a band. And she's like, in the show, they say this line. It's like, oh, everybody was saying that she was, like, no- young and naive. And she was like, I was a baby. This should not have been happening to me. Hmm. So it sucked. It was bad. Uh, she, like, got stronger and, like, smarter about it. But it sucked. Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody was on drugs and drinking a lot. And Daisy's just like, all right, this is what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was actually very talented at pretty much everything that she did. And she would, like, scribble and write stuff. And the guys that she was dating would just take her ideas and use her words Mm. to write songs that would become hits. Like, Mm. and she's like, I hate this so much. And so I wrote down, okay, page 16. Because she's, like, rejecting, like I said, the trope of being a manic pixie dream girl and only being there to be inspiration for men and she's just like i am not a muse i am the somebody end of the fucking story she's not interested in being somebody else's muse so it's like the idea of a muse is terrible it's annoying (laughs) yeah yeah because it's like she mentions earlier that she like came up with this thing about drinking like champagne and coffee together in the morning because she's like i need something for up and i need something for down and this writer was like oh that's so funny i'm gonna use that in something and she's like what if i'm gonna use it in something all of my (laughs) stuff is not just yours yeah so wow but is she mixing the two or just drinking them at the same time she what does she say because she like i said she's like taking all the drugs she's doing all the things what did she say she was doing? 
She was having... She was... She always ordered champagne with breakfast, but she was tired in the morning because she wasn't sleeping enough, so she needed coffee. But she couldn't order just coffee because she was taking a bunch of pills. So she couldn't just have the champagne because it would put her to sleep. So she just would drink them together in the morning with breakfast and she called it an up and down. Okay. (laughs) Already bad. Yeah. Yeah. Having brunch essentially every day. Yeah. It's so bad for your heart. Every day. They were all doing so much stuff. It's crazy. I know this is fictional, but I know that also some people <laughs> in real life yes, were doing absolutely. this and do this. Mick Jagger is still alive. It's <sighs> incredible. It's not good. At least, ooh, excuse me, one of the drugs that she mentions in this book is no longer available. It has been replaced by a different drug, but it was di- it's different. Okay. All right. Um, okay. And then... It goes back to the rise of the six. So it's talking about the Dunn brothers starting in uh, Pennsylvania and they, Billy became a very good songwriter and they just like wanted to be rock stars. They're like two teenage boys and like, we can do this. Um, So they get the rest of their band members in Warren, Pete and Graham, and they just start practicing all the time. And Graham will mention that his older brother, Billy, has all these girls in love with him and that his mom said he was boy crazy and all of this stuff about Billy. But also that you can't say anything about Graham because Billy will beat you up, take you out. Mm. He's like very protective older brother. Um, And they're all like trying to dress like rock stars. They stop cutting their hair. They're wearing like big belt buckles, all of this stuff, (laughs) Uh, which is so funny to me when guys like will describe like what they're doing with their fashion intentionally. I love that. (laughs) I I don't know why, but it's you never hear them talking about it. (laughs) Yeah, because it's like considered girly or cringe or whatever. And I'm like, no, walk me through your decisions. I love it. I love it when (laughs) men are like comfortable sharing that and being like, no, I actually care and I'm intentional about things I'm not just putting on whatever my girlfriend tells me to wear exactly exactly um and so after they graduate from high school so they graduated from high school they're all like doing this band thing together they're getting like some gigs and at people's like parties like private parties and then they go play a wedding and they do a really good job and they notice Graham and Billy notice that their dad is there at the wedding dancing with some very younger girl uh and he didn't even recognize his sons at all oh my gosh and it's so terrible uh it makes me sad and billy says uh it messes with you when your own father doesn't care about you enough to say hello i'm not saying it was a self-pity thing i wasn't sitting there asking why doesn't he love me it was more oh okay this is how dark the world can be some fathers don't love their sons and I was like, oh, oh that's, that's so sad. Yeah. So sad. Um, because obviously, like, Graham was really young when his dad left. Um, mm-hmm. And so was Billy, but all he was there to remember it. And so yeah. he's like, you didn't go to Georgia. He's literally been living, like, a couple towns over and just never wanted to come visit his family. Oh. oh. 
Yeah, okay. he's an asshole. We don't know anything else about him other than that. Those facts. Mm-hmm. But um, but a good thing came from the wedding because that is where he meets Camilla. She was working there at the wedding, and he like goes over, tries to like make moves, and he gives her the pickup line: "I'm in this band, and I will write you a song." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she goes for it. Um, and like green flag about their relationship at the beginning, Billy says like, she even made me like myself more. I was like, that's so sweet. Yeah, that's great. And then sadly, they didn't put this in the show. They just scrapped this character altogether. Uh, Chuck got drafted into the Vietnam War and they ended up having to replace him with Pete's younger brother, Eddie. And then Chuck dies like six months after being drafted. Mm. And it's so sad. Yeah. Like he just didn't he just didn't get to be, didn't get to have this life. Alas, poor Chuck. We knew him well. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> poor Chuck. <laughs> um Okay. And then they started opening for a band called The Winters, and Karen was a keyboardist for The Winters. And she didn't like her bandmates because they were all trying to sleep with her and they didn't take her seriously. So Mm. when Billy and Graham asked her to be in their band, uh, she was like, yeah, cool. Uh, And Graham is immediately down bad for Karen. Like, he has a crush on Karen from the beginning. (laughs) Um, it's, It's great. Like, some of the things that he will say in the interview, it's like, oh, he's so cute and he loves her already. Um... In this part, it's showing that Billy is starting to get kind of, like, a little bit out of control with the way that he is, like, drinking and taking substances. But Grandma's mm-hmm. like, it'll be okay. It's not that bad. It's just like, oh, he goes a little heavy sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they rename themselves from the Dunn Brothers, because they've literally been the Dunn Brothers this whole time until after Karen joins. They can't agree on a name, and then somebody says, why don't we just call ourselves the Six? Because there's six of us. Which is like, all right, sounds great. Um, they meet the, uh, Rod in New York when they're doing shows, and he's like, "You've got, the, you've got it, kids. I will help you get more shows." And so he like sends them on gigs a bunch of places. And Billy finds that he loves the attention. He's a very good rock star. Um, mm. And all this time, he's like still going out with Camilla. Like they are together, and she will come to a bunch of the shows. And at the beginning, he's very good. He's like, nope, I'm going to wait for Camilla to get here. Um, And then they decide to go to California because that's where everything is happening. Mm -hmm. And Billy goes to Camilla's house and is like, will you come with me? And she's like, and do what? Follow you around? And he's like, yeah. (laughs) And she's like, no, I won't do that. And so she dubs him. And they go on this trip to California and Billy kind of like spirals a little bit uh, because they both love each other and they both were so young when this happened that they were just angry and prideful about it. So they just didn't call each other for a really long time while they were on this trip because Camilla is like, oh my gosh, I've made a mistake. Mom, I, I, what do I do? And she's like, why don't you just call him back? And she's like, but no, he's following his dream and I don't want to stop him. They love each other a lot. And what then, if you just called Taylor up? Literally. <laughs> literally. 
Todd arranges this like show where Teddy Price, who is a producer with Runner Records, sees them perform at the Troubadour and he likes it enough to be like, all right, we're going to make music. So he offers them a record deal and he's going to be personally producing the album. So with Mm -hmm. this good news, Billy calls Camilla and is like, if I got a record deal, would you marry me? And her answer is, you got a record deal? (laughs) And so they, obviously she says yes, and she comes to, like, go to California and move with the band. That's sweet. Um, So, it was, they're so, they're so cute. Yeah. And it's totally, I like the reasons that they, like, chose to separate and then come back together. They make sense to me as someone who married young. Like, it is hard to figure yourself out. And also yeah. commit that early. Yeah. They, like, um, they figured it out. Kind yeah. of. Kind of. Well, <laughs> um, you don't have to, you know, spoil the whole book. But yeah, this also reminds me of when I was in L.A. And my mom and I were in a hotel. And we were, like, trying mm-hmm. to find the elevator. And we were on one floor because there was, like, a weird escalator. So we came up to this floor and the only person on this floor was this guy who had like a guitar on his back and he was on a cell phone and he goes, so I'm signed and I get to keep all my own music. Like I get, I get to keep the rights. And he was like literally talking about like this record deal that he just got, like as we were walking past him and it was like, oh my gosh, like what an LA moment. <laughs> it's very fun to That's witness. Such, such good news for him. And yes, so yeah. fun to witness. No oh, idea who he love was, that. but good for him. Love that for him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, that comes up. So the owning your own music, et cetera. Um, so Daisy has been like writing a bunch of songs, hanging out with Simone. Uh, Simone and Daisy's boyfriend at the time convinced her to sing at the end of this show. Uh, they've like tried to do this before and she's just like, no, I just want to write the songs. And they're like, no, the best thing that your songs have going for them is you singing them. you got to do it. Um, and so she does it. She loves it. And now she's trying to get gigs places. And all these guys keep telling her that they'll be her manager. And she's like, all of them are gross and they just want to tell me what to do. <laughs> so she picks the like least smarmy one that talks about her music and not only her. Mm-hmm. Um and she hasn't even record like released any music yet. She's just playing shows around places. And like fashion brands are sending her like samples of stuff because wow. she's just like that affable. People just know about her. Um and she gets signed to Runner Records, which is the same as Billy and the Six. Um and she just really wants to sing and play and record her own stuff and she did not read the contract. Uh, and at the first meeting, they basically gave her a list of songs that she wanted to sing and they told her they didn't really like her songs. They were like, no, they're not, they're not what we want. So she's like basically contracted to sing other people's music, do covers and make an album. Um, and she like falls into like a kind of a depressive spiral at this time. She's taking, she calls them Dexies. And they're used to treat ADHD and narcolepsy. So those are the ones that keep her up. And then reds to get through the night. And that's the one that's like no longer available. It's a sedative like sleeping pill that's been replaced by benzos. 
Okay. Um, so she's taking pills regular, like, every day to get through, like, normal things. Like, outdated, dangerous pills. Dan- like, yeah, stuff you shouldn't be. You shouldn't be taking it. Um, it's bad. So, like, she's having a terrible time because she's, like, contracted to do this. This is not what she wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of these things are, like, happening, like, intertwined. The way that they've um, organized the book how the autobiography is organized. It's like, this happens and this happens, but it'll switch in between the two stories. Um, okay, and then, so it's jumping between years yeah, or jumping the, between the characters? Jumping between the characters' stories. Like, it's all happen- okay. happening chronologically. Okay, I gotcha. Cool, And cool. so the band rents this house in Topanga Canyon in California to start recording their debut album. Camilla comes. She helps make the house cool. Um, she also doesn't take anybody's shit. Warren is like, oh, maybe when we're gone recording, you could, like, clean up the house. And she was like, yeah, no, I won't be doing that. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, like, Billy and her, like, become closer. They have their, like, cute breakfast dates because they're staying up all night recording the album. And Billy becomes very obsessed with making this album, like, the best thing ever. And he's doing so much coke to stay focused. Uh, and it's kind of like a golden time for the band. They're having a lot of fun recording music together, playing music, kind of like figuring each other out. Uh, the record label gives a thumbs up when they play them the uh, album. Rod plans a tour. It's all going great. Right before they leave for the tour, literally the night before, Camilla tells Billy that she's pregnant. And... Billy is, like, happy about it, but also internally freaking out so much. Mm. Um, and he was like, we should get married right now. So they get married at, like, 4 a.m. that morning. They, like, decorate with, like, some sad twinkle lights. Literally, like, she wears a white t-shirt and he wears his, like, denim tuxedo. <laughs> and they get married and the only picture they have is a Polaroid in which Eddie cut off their heads. It's, like... <laughs> So movie montage. Yeah, I can picture <laughs> it for sure. Yeah. And Billy is like, he's freaking out. He's like, I shouldn't be anybody's father. And Camilla is so sure that everything's going to be fine. But Billy is not taking this well. And they leave. And the first show doesn't go very well because they're all nervous. And then Billy immediately sleeps with somebody and gets so mm-hmm. drunk. And... The tour, like, goes on, and the album does really well. It gets extended, and Billy is, like, deteriorating. Karen is so upset because she's friends with Camilla, and she's like, I don't want to tell her, but I hate that he's doing this. Yeah. It's a whole thing. And so Camilla comes um, to surprise him on tour with Pete's girlfriend, and (laughs) Graham was like, okay, I could either run to the hotel or I could run to the bus. I'm hoping that Billy is in one of these places and he runs to the hotel. Billy was in the bus and he was literally getting a BJ from a groupie when Camilla finds him. Uh, That's bad. It's the worst. (laughs) It's the worst. And Billy like kind of was hoping that she would leave him, that it would be like her last throw and they would like not be together anymore. Oh my gosh. because he just feel he's feeling so sorry for himself. And Camilla is like, she's such a badass. If you think I'm going to let you screw up our life, you've lost your mind. And then she leaves. 
And she leaves a letter with uh, Karen. And basically it says, you have until November 30th, and then you are going to be a good man for the rest of your life. Because uh, that's when his daughter is going to be born. That's her due date. Wow. And so she's like, ultimatum. And again, like, she doesn't give him a choice not to do it. She's like, this is what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and unfortunately, like, they didn't really know. Uh, several characters mention it in the book that they didn't really know how addiction worked. They thought yeah. that you could just decide to stop. So Billy was not able to and even, like, tried more terrible things. He tried heroin. And at the end of it, he starts performing really badly, like, slurring and not able to actually perform their songs. Yeah. And Teddy shows up a little bit earlier for the due date and takes Billy to see Camilla, who has gone into labor. And they like he gets him on the plane. He drives him all the way there. And Billy can't get out of the car when they get to the hospital. Wow. He's like, he just feels so terrible. And he's like, I, she, I can't see my baby this way. And so Teddy goes inside and has to deal with it. And Camilla is like, all right, he's either going to come inside and be a father right now or he's going to go to rehab. Mm-hmm. And so he goes to rehab. The rest of the tour is canceled. Everybody takes a break. Billy does good in rehab for like two months. And then he finally gets to meet his daughter. His name is Julia. And uh, Camilla says another good line. I think you have to have faith in people before they earn it. Otherwise, it's not faith. Mm. She's just so strong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I recently told you about like a boundaries chat that I had to have with someone yeah how much I didn't want to have it because my instinct is to just be like well they hurt me so well either that like pretend everything's fine or it's like well they hurt me so like I'm not ever going to trust them again and like that's easier but it's Mm -hmm. harder to be like no I'm setting this boundary with you and I want you to like live up to this and like I want to continue the relationship yeah it's hard and uncomfy but it is rewarding yeah it and like several times when like camilla is talking she's like i was so scared of everything that was happening but like Mm -hmm. i had to just like keep powering through because i trusted yeah i trusted the person that billy could be yeah oh which is very generous because it is having a baby I know that um, this is, like, the oldest story in the book, but, like, having a baby with someone that you don't know super well can be really scary because you don't know if they're going to be reliable. And, like, especially back in the 70s, they didn't have to be. They could just dip. They could just leave. Like Billy's dad. Yeah. (sighs) But, yeah, so she's so strong, so wise. Mm -hmm. Um. And then right in the middle, there's like a really tiny chapter and it's like Daisy refused to record the songs. Like she was now in breach of her contract. She was not nice. doing it. And her manager keeps trying to get her to go in the studio. She doesn't care about Hank. Uh, and then finally, Teddy is assigned to work with her because he works for Runner Records as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, all right. You got to do this. You got to do this album. You're under contract. They're going to sue you if you don't do it. So just do this album. And then your songs are good, but they're all unfinished. There's not a finished song in this notebook of yours. You have to work on it. Uh, And then we can make the album that you want to. So she 
finally does it. She does a bunch of covers. I think she, so she calls it first. That's her album. Cause she's like, there's going to be more stuff to come. Um, and then Billy gets out of rehab, meets his daughter, is very nervous about it. Immediately goes back to the band, starts writing songs again. Uh, they make up an album and record it, but the label doesn't really like it. Eddie doesn't really like it. He's like, this is too soft. This is all about, like, this is not about rock. This is not a rock album. <laughs> um, and uh, Teddy was like, all right, we're going to, you're going to write one of the songs to be a duet. And we'll maybe we'll make that the single of the album because the record label was like, there are no strong singles for this. So Billy wrote a song or he had a song written and he like wrote a woman's part to be responding to him. And Teddy suggests Daisy to sing this with them. Mm -hmm. And Daisy kind of changes the intention of the song. Like she gets where Billy is going. She kind of Mm. changes it a little bit. And as soon as she like comes in and tries to do that, Billy like buzzes in on her recording and be like, nope, that's wrong. (laughs) He's just, he's so particular about the way things are. Like, he writes all the music, he writes, like, he composes everything, he tells everybody what they're gonna do, he's very in control of it, and Daisy is this kind of person, like, doesn't really care about what he feels in that way of being in charge. Well, yeah, I mean, she seems like the kind of artist that, like, has her vision, and she's Mm -hmm. like, I can just see this clearly, that this is how it's supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. She, like, like even though formed. she's got, like, unfinished notebooks, it's, like, mm-hmm. the talent, the writing is there. She, she has a vision. there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then all the band kind of admits in their own interviews that Billy was kind of a bulldozer when it came to the band and anybody else's ideas. He just did whatever. Um, and so Billy and Daisy kind of get off on the wrong foot immediately. Billy mm-hmm. is a drama king. He's like, you ruined my song, Teddy. And Teddy's like, it's better. (laughs) And the song is called Honeycomb. And they released the album with that as the single. And everybody loves it so much. It's a big hit. And then the next chapter is the Numbers Tour. And I wrote this down because I really enjoy when artists like name their tour something specific. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like the Eras Tour. For example, yes. Yes, for example. Um, And so after the album came out and they're playing like shows to promote it, uh, Billy does not invite Daisy to come sing with him. And he changes it back to the way that he originally wrote it when they're performing Mm. it. (laughs) Um, But they're playing in California, like where Daisy lives and like where she goes to shows all the time. So they end up going to like the whiskey place and Daisy's there. And so he, like, the way that he says it in his interview, he was like, she's forcing my hand. Of course I had to invite her on stage. It's like, <laughs> Billy, buddy, you, she sang the song with you. You should have invited her anyways. Yeah. So <laughs> she sings the song with them, and she sings it the way that they did it on the album, which is not the way that he was playing it. <laughs> He's just, it, they make each other mad for silly reasons. Because basically them singing together is always like a magical, it's always magical. That's the way that it is. All right, let's see. And it didn't matter how much of an asshole I thought Billy was. When you can sing like that with someone, there's a small part of you that feels connected to them. That sort of thing that gets under your skin and doesn't easily come out. Billy was like a splinter. 
That's exactly what he was like. So it's like they immediately are working so well together when they are like singing and playing music together. Mm-hmm. And then Teddy and like the management of Runner Records are like, Daisy is going to come with you on tour. <laughs> like she's going to be the opener on your tour and it's going to be Daisy Jones and the Six. Billy wanted to drop her name from the ticket, but Teddy is like, Look at the tic- the ticket sales. Like, we can't... You have to get over yourself. And so, uh, Billy is stressed about staying sober and faithful to Camilla on this tour. So he brings her with her... Brings her with him for the beginning of it. She's, like, pregnant again. So she can't stay the Jeez. whole time. Um, Daisy started dating her manager and then broke up with him because he's a jerk. Uh, and unfortunately, that's in the middle of their tour. He takes her band with him because he hired all of them and they just left yep he's terrible um and so she ends up like opening with just eddie there and he plays the guitar and they just do like kind of acoustic and then billy is seeing that like it's going really well and the person from rolling stone is there that night and they're gonna get interviewed after so his brain is like we could just do honeycomb just her and me like on stage so he goes on stage takes the guitar from eddie and then goes to play and so eddie's just like uh okay that's fine he's so mad about it (laughs) and they uh and they play honeycomb and it's like beautiful and everybody loves it um and then i forgot to mention this through the entire time graham has had a crush on karen we've established that yeah but yeah. they have both now been, like, like flirty with each other both ways. And mm-hmm. they start a secret romance on this tour. Ooh. They don't tell anybody, so it's just them. Um, <laughs> they, um, and then Rolling Stone, I think it was, his name's Jonah. He, like, does the interview with them. And um, after they, like, play music for him, it's a very, like, cool vibe interview. And then Daisy invites Billy to her hotel room after, and he's like, not a good idea. And she thinks that he thinks she was hitting on him, but he looks in the room and he sees all the alcohol in the room, and he's like, I cannot. So it's, like, different reasons, and I respect, like, I respect them. Um, And the whole thesis of the article that this rolling stones person writes is that the six should be seven like daisy should be part of the band and that of course makes billy mad but everybody else is like no that's a good idea we should do it (laughs) and so they're like okay she's gonna come with us uh on one album and then we'll decide if she's part of the band after we do an album with her um and so rod calls to tell her that she's gonna do an album with the band and she likes celebrating she gets really drunk and she has a bunch of people at her house but they don't really know her or care about her success so she tries to call simone and simone is like it's so late you gotta tomorrow we'll have breakfast tomorrow but daisy is so amped up she drives and she shouldn't be driving and she drives to her parents house which is locked and she breaks in like she breaks a window to get into her room and falls asleep in her bed and she wakes up and the cops are arresting her because her parents didn't even know who she was. Oh my gosh. Yep. Gotta keep her picture <sighs> somewhere so you don't forget what she looks like. Literally. 
So she goes to jail, and Simone bails her out. And Simone is like, somebody needs to be taking care of you. It's me. Um, (laughs) So they take a break. Like, the band takes a break. Karen and Graham shack up together. Simone goes on a tour. Warren bought a boat, and he thinks he's cool. Pete goes to stay with his girlfriend in Boston. Billy and Camilla, like, spend time with their children. Um, And then they come back together to start working on the album. And Daisy is like, I want to work together. I want to write the album with you. Because previously, as I said, Billy's literally been just doing everything and telling everybody what to do. Um, and Billy is trying to pretend that it's very dramatic or uh, democratic, but it's obviously not. And so he's like, yeah, that'll be fine. Um, whatever. And then everybody else starts talking about all the things that they don't like. So they're kind of like, <laughs> they're kind of like ganging up on Billy, but it's like yeah. deserved. Of so. course. It's a band. <laughs> it's not a solo act. Exactly. Ugh. And it's so funny because Billy will be like, he was comparing them to solo acts and he was like, all these greats, they don't have to answer to anybody else. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> they work alone. I, uh, it's I feel great. like this is how Adam Levine is behind the scenes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know anything about him. Adam Levine and the four. Burped. <laughs> Other than he burped. He burped during She Will Be Loved at the Maroon 5 concert that we attended together. And we'll never it, forgive him for it. Yeah. It's like, that is your one song that you have to nail every time. You can pull a Justin Timberlake and take it off your roster like he did Sexy Back if you don't want to do it. Just don't exactly. That's disrespectful. Uh, it was so terrible. <laughs> okay. And so Billy is upset about everything. And Pete and Warren are like, this is crazy, you guys. We're just playing music. <laughs> and But then he agrees. Billy's like, okay, fine. Because he already has like 12 songs that are already written for the album. So like if Daisy wasn't oh going to be gosh. with him on the album, they were just going to do those songs. He has to and be an basically, he, oh gosh, I don't know when his birthday is, but he is <laughs> wild. Um, control. Like, okay, what is it? One, 150, 156. Oh, this is what I wanted to read. So after all of that happened, Karen was like, after we walked out of there that night, I thought, holy shit, Daisy had just joined our band with top billing and fundamentally changed the dynamics of the group in a way that none of us had done before. Hmm. She's yeah. great. Um, okay. Ba-ba-ba-ba. So yeah, he's got, tw- he's like, I've got 12 great songs and nobody... And wants to hear them because they think I'm trying to control things. It's like, yeah, buddy, you are. You are trying to control them. So they're trying to, like, do this new process of writing music together with the whole band. And Warren is like, I'm not really interested in writing the music. Why don't uh, Billy and Daisy just go write somewhere else? And we'll start composing music, like, for everybody's Mm -hmm. instruments and stuff. Mm -hmm. Billy did not want to let that go but he didn't want to let Daisy write on her own more. So he goes with Daisy. They go with Daisy to like Teddy's like guest house and they literally get in a fight immediately. 
and <laughs> they're being difficult to one another and they end up like going to go eat like to just blow off steam and go get hamburgers and they start to connect when they hear a song uh that has lyrics in it that daisy came up with and she's like yeah that guy he took this idea from me mm-hmm. so they like connect and they like play like a 20 questions kind of game where they have to be honest with each other and billy talks about like his addiction and he's worried about her addiction mm-hmm. and it's like a good connecting and that's where they really start to try to like hear each other's music hear each other's lyrics and they start writing things together and um, Teddy kind of convinces Billy that he has to trust the band. And if he really hates something, they can go back and fix it in post. <laughs> it's like, it'll be okay. You got to let them do their thing. Um, we'll and fix it in post. That's yeah, we'll fix it in post. It'll be fine. <laughs> and Eddie and Billy start like really getting on each other's nerves enough that the manager was thinking like, all right, what will we have to do if we have to replace Eddie? (laughs) (sighs) And then Daisy during this, so they're doing like recording sessions all the time and Daisy has a party and she misses a recording session and Billy goes to check on her because he's worried because he knows that this is important to her. Um, And she's fine. She's just so, so out of it and drunk. Um, and he gets really frustrated and mad and he writes a song that's clearly about her. I think it's called impossible woman in the book. And then he has her sing it. (laughs) And it's like, um, the way that they describe it in the book is he's like, no, it needs to feel like it's hurting when you're singing. Like it, it needs to, you have to like bring this different quality to it. And so she has to do it a bunch of times and keeps retrying, keeps oh retrying. And Billy is, like, being really hard on her being like, nope, that's not it. <laughs> and it's so painful. But she ends wow. up doing it. And everybody in the recording studio was like, that was so good. That's, it was great. That's so Fleetwood Mac vibes. Right? Right? So Fleetwood Mac. Like, and, the, like, they both do that to each other. So interesting. I can't. Imagine the kind of tension that that would. Oh, me neither. For Especially everyone else like in the room too. The gumption to write a song about the person and show it to them immediately. No, right. this couldn't is be about me. you. Now sing it. <laughs> could, could not be me. Um, and then uh, while they're writing together uh, at Teddy's, Billy and Daisy almost kiss, and it's kind of Daisy's first move. Like she makes that move, and Billy's like. I don't think this is a good idea. And she's really embarrassed. She feels really bad. And she, like, leaves in a hurry. But then she starts getting, like, really angry about the whole thing. And she writes uh, the song Regret Me, which is such a good song. They didn't keep the same lyrics uh, when they actually did it in the show. This Hmm. lyric got lost, and I think it's really good. Um, When you think of me, I hope it ruins rock and roll. Yeah, that's great. It's so good. Because rock and roll Um, is ruined when you turn too soft, as we've learned. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, That's no softness. No soft rock. Soft rock is different. Um... So she, like, writes the song, immediately goes back to the recording studio and was like, I wrote the song, and we're gonna put it on the album. And Billy's like, no. And she has everybody read it, and she's like, who thinks we should put it on the album? 
and everybody raises their hand <laughs> except for Billy. Billy leaves and they record it without him. Oh, he's such a sore loser. Um, and then Graham and Karen still being in love, still keeping it a secret. Graham wrote a song about Karen and he tried to like bring it up to Billy and Billy like blew him off and Graham was pretty upset about it and he sold it to another band and it did well. And Karen is like, thank goodness. I don't want to play a song about me every night. Like if it became one of the, one of the sixes songs, she's like, I don't want to play a song about me. Her, like, idea on the songs is, like, if you bring something so personal to the song, like, it's good, but you're going to have to play that every every concert. So you, it has to be something yeah, you can yeah. emotionally deal with. That makes sense. Yes. And I she's like, no, no, I don't want to do this. Yeah, of course. I know that, like, some artists, there's songs that will reserve for album only. Like, I've, I've definitely heard people be like, I can't perform that, it's too... Oh, yeah, personal. like, I can't... I can't commercially sing this song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can't perform it can't this be... for a huge audience with eyes. Yeah, it has, it has to be, like, a special gift that I give. It cannot be a commodity, like a lot of other mm. songs. And it doesn't mean those songs are bad. It just means those are easier to, like, emotionally sing. Yeah. So, and then they do this big cover shoot for the band because they're going to be on the front of Rolling Stone and everybody's very excited. Uh, and of course the photographer's like, ooh, tension between Daisy and Billy and they just, it's its them. It's pictures of them for the album and all the band is like, oh. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Which does suck. It sucks for them. And so after they're done recording, everybody goes on break. Uh, Teddy and Billy stay behind to refine the album and do like edits and mixes, etc. Uh, Daisy goes to Thailand and meets Nicolo, an Italian Nicolo. prince. Nicolo. Yeah. They go to Italy, they get married, and before she even meets him, she invites Simone to come see her in Thailand, because she's like, I'm alone, I'm kind of sad. And so, like, Simone gets to Thailand, she's gone. She's in Italy, so she's like, track her down, oh pretending gosh. to be your credit card people. <laughs> ah, Simone is such That's a good terrifying. friend. <laughs> Before cell phones, that would be so scary. Yeah, like, oh, it's so crazy. Um, and so Nikki, bad. He's bad news. He all he like he almost stops her from going back to the U.S. to do the tour. Like Daisy's like, no, this is important to me, and he like is saying that it's not, and it's yeah, and he doesn't really even know. He doesn't really even know who she is, like as a celebrity person. So he does not even care. So Simone and Teddy had to be like, no, no, you're coming back. <laughs> Nikki comes with her on the tour. Uh, and the band wasn't very happy about all the edits, but they go with it because Teddy is ultimately in charge. Uh, Billy and Daisy mad at each other. They have separate tour buses. Everything that they get, they have to have two because Billy and Daisy both have to have one. <laughs> so they're being children. Yeah, mom's uh, house and dad's house. Yeah. And they do another interview with Rolling Stones before this tour, and the vibes are off. Like, everybody mm. knows that they're off. And so Daisy ends up talking to Jonah alone, and she's on so much coke, and she's mad, and she spills all of Billy's secrets about being an addict and going to rehab and not meeting his daughter when she was born. Like, she just gives all of Billy's secrets away. <laughs> and... Uh, she, and she was given several chances to not go on record 
like mm. the interviewer like really didn't want to take it, but she was like, "No, it's fine." <laughs> and so, at, but he his rule is like, That's after so I start funny. recording, I'm not gonna redact anything. So this is what it is. Oh my gosh! So then, the interviewer goes to Billy and is like, "This is the information that I have." And Billy is like, "Please, please do not print that." And Jonah's like, "Give me something better then." And so. Basically, Billy is like, fine, I'll just tell you how I can't stand Daisy Jones. And so that's like the whole, like, feud is printed as the article. Mm. Well, that's a smart move. Yeah, it is a smart move. It does suck. Uh, I think, like, he said a couple mean things about her, but, like, she was gonna air all his dirty laundry about his family. Bad on both sides. If uh, Rainbow Rowell wrote this book the like wholesome twist would be that she wasn't talking about Billy. It would be like she was spilling too much about herself and then uh, Billy would yes. be, would step in and be like, No, just tell everyone that I can't stand Daisy and then that would be a way uh, to like cover her. That uh it would. Oh, that would be so good. No. They're just mad <laughs> at fiction. each other. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't even checked. I haven't even checked. I'll do that later. There's gotta be. Um, they go on tour. It's very rocky because Nikki is there and Daisy is very impulsive. Uh, but it still doesn't affect how like Billy and Daisy sing together. Like they're just magic and they do care about each other. Uh, Nikki is jealous. Daisy and Nikki like really start losing it. They almost jump off of a hotel roof together. Uh, he's spending all of her money and never paying her back. Uh, and the band's kind of like, like they're having a good time, but like Pete doesn't want to do it anymore. And he's like, I would like to like stop and be married. And so they have a break for Christmas and Daisy and Nikki go back to Italy and they get in a huge fight. And then Daisy overdoses on sleeping pills. And the best thing that Nikki can think to do for her is put her in the shower. Like, he didn't call 911. He didn't do anything else. And well, he's a prince, Daisy's... so I'm sure he's concerned yeah. about publicity. Yeah. 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 And he's like, oh, what was it? Like, the band was questioning him about it, and he's technically the son of a prince, and then Italy doesn't mm. really recognize the monarchy, so it just made up the title. <laughs> of course. So he's a spoiled rich kid, Brad. Yeah. 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 That doesn't really have his own money anymore, so he's just using daisies. Oh, my gosh. But, um... Daisy said something that was really intense. It was like, he wasn't going to kill me, but he would let me die. (laughs) And I was like, oh my gosh. Wow. So she leaves. She leaves him and she gets divorced. And Simone is so happy about it. (laughs) Um, And relieved, I'm sure. Relieved. And then Karen breaks the news to Graham that she's pregnant. And she does not want to have a baby. And Graham literally does not understand why like he's having such a hard time with it and it's so sad about how they can't like he cannot understand karen's like my mind wasn't gonna change i've been judged for it every time i've said it but i'll keep saying it i never wanted to be a mother i never wanted children and then Mm. on the opposite side graham says i just kept thinking she'll change her mind we will get married and have a baby and figure it all out. She was going to realize how much she wanted to be a mother and how much family meant to her. And it just, he just didn't get it. And especially even when she tried to be like, would you quit the band and take care of the baby? 
Like, right. she tried to get him to understand, and he just, yeah, he just didn't. And Karen's like, I don't want to do this. I do not want to have a child. Mm-hmm. So she gets an abortion, and they kind of break up. Yeah. And, um, like, and they're still in the band. <laughs> that would be so awkward. And it is so unfortunate so that, um, despite him being so in love with her, he couldn't, like, see yeah. that she needs to make that choice herself. And it's yeah. not his decision ultimately and she says something that's so poignant oh sorry mm -hmm. go I was just gonna say like I I think that it's valid to say like the father if the father wants to keep the baby should have a say but I don't think it Mm -hmm. should be final say because it's not your body and I think that's the whole issue with abortion is it's not your body and that is not I mean I'm not gonna get on my soapbox but that's not a human baby in there yet like it isn't even there's so many things that make it not a viable life form that Mm -hmm. early on so anyway graham um big l for graham (laughs) big l for graham but yeah she says something really poignant uh when she's talking to camilla about it and she's like i keep pretending to feel bad for everybody's benefit like Mm. it's what she wanted to do yeah. And so she, that yeah. doesn't make her so, heartless or cold. Yeah, just, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's what's expected of her. And that must be exhausting. They win a Grammy. They get to do SNL. It's like a groundbreaking, iconic performance. Super cool. uh, one of the songs, Billy and Daisy do honeycomb together, acoustic, and it's magical. Nice. Um, Giving the people what Warren, they want. Literally. It's like, yes. And <laughs> So back to that interview that the author was talking about and when they were looking at each other on stage and you could just tell that there's love there, that's mm-hmm. literally happening every time that they do this. Like mm-hmm. people are can people are noticing the way that they are looking at each other when they're singing together. Of course. Like they can't hide it. <laughs> We've um, been shipping people since the dawn of time, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Um... Warren meets her Warren meets his future wife at an SNL party she's like a really beautiful actress and he's very excited about it um and day during that performance the SNL performance both Daisy and Billy realize that they're in love with each other and it gets really hard for Daisy to continue performing and obviously for Billy too Billy's like but no my wife I can't like I can't do this and Camilla says, like, Camilla knows that they're, maybe she doesn't know that, like, maybe they were going to kiss or, like, anything else. But she definitely suspects that something is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's like, no matter who you love, they'll break your heart along the way. Like, even if he didn't cheat, it, like, it's still sad. Mm-hmm. Um, and after that SNL show, Daisy tells Billy she wants to get clean. And they, like, share some of their, like, personal fears about not being able to write good music again. All of this stuff. And right after that happens, they get news that Teddy, their producer, has had a heart attack and has passed away. And Mm. it's really sad because Teddy had become kind of like a father figure for Billy. And him and Rod kind of like kept the band together and going. So they take a break and they go to L.A. for the funeral. Billy like spirals a little bit and is tempted to drink again, but he doesn't. And everybody returns to the tour like sad. And... Billy, Daisy, and Camilla are all having a very hard time with everything. 
and Daisy rejected rehab after Teddy passed away. She, like, in her brain, she was, like, rationalizing and being like, if the universe wanted me to go to rehab, it wouldn't have killed Teddy. It was, like, nonsensical logic. But that's what made sense to her at that time. Um, And so they do this show in Chicago, and it ends up being the very last show of the band. After After the show ended, um... Daisy, like, left, and Graham and Karen blew up at each other, and Billy almost drinks again, and Daisy just, like, goes to her hotel room, and Camilla comes to talk to her. She brings Julia, who's the oldest daughter. And in that moment, it is revealed that Julia is the author and the unnamed, like, interviewer who's Mm. talking to all of these band members because she confirms this, like, uh, conversation that Camilla and Daisy have and it's like because uh, nobody else had ever heard it before it's like secret information and Julia's like I don't know five years old seven years old um, and Camilla's like talking to her and she's like Daisy he loves you you know that he loves you and I know that he loves you but he's not going to leave me mm. like she is like this is a really difficult thing like what is she she's like what i need you to know is that i'm not going to give up on him and i'm not going to let him leave me i will see him through this the way i've seen him through the rest we are bigger than this we are bigger than you like she's being very kind but also like super firm about it uh mm-hmm. and she's like daisy you have to go get yourself help and you have to do it away from billy to stop breaking both of your hearts like this wow. is not going to work and I want the best for you, but to be honest, I hope that I don't see you again because this is not wow. healthy what you guys are doing. Dang. So, okay. Yeah, right? She's such a badass. She's so yeah. strong. Ugh. Because that would be so scary because she hasn't even talked to Billy about any of this. Her and Billy kind of like unspoken got things from each other. So Camilla's just like, I have to go talk to her. I have to do this because they're not going to. Wow. I don't... Do Do you think real people can be that, like, mature? I don't know. I think... I was looking like, we have... The two of us are very similar when it comes to, like, confrontation. So yeah. I don't know if we have, like, an unbiased view. Um, but I feel like some people are self-assured in different things than we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like interpersonal relationships and they're very self-assured in the way that things should go yeah and like understanding other people and their desires and intentions like without them directly saying that and being confident to like call them on it yeah she's a very perceptive and like uh i don't even know what the word would be not confrontational but i guess assertive person yeah just She's yeah. just very assertive and she knows what she wants. Mm-hmm. And she's not mean about it, but she's very, like, firm. Yeah, I have met people like that. I guess I mm-hmm. have never known anyone in this intense of a love triangle. Yeah. So I guess yeah, no. that would be the difference. They haven't been put yeah. to that test. Yeah. And so Daisy does take this advice. She leaves, and she leaves a note for the band saying that she's going to be gone. And Billy, while this conversation is happening, interspersed between Camilla and Daisy's conversation, Billy is at a bar and he has ordered a drink and he is not drinking it, but 
he is having a really hard time. Wow. Because he is really upset with how he's mad at himself because he's like, do I not love Camilla because I'm falling in love with Daisy? Like, what's wrong with me that I have to deal with this? And he just doesn't Mm -hmm. want it. But he is realizing that he can't, like, not feel this way anymore, especially after singing together with her every night on stage songs to each other. Yeah. And so he's having a very hard time. He does not drink. Doesn't have it. He leaves. But he's like, I have to take a break. We, ha- I have to get away from this. And so he announces that he's taking a break. They get news that Daisy has left. Eddie gets mad. Pete already wanted to leave. Graham and Karen are fighting. Billy and Graham are fighting because Graham mm-hmm. tried to talk to him about something and Billy blew him off. So the tour was canceled. And Warren is like, all right, I guess. He's the only one that's not having, him and Pete, again, only one's not having issues. And so they all go their separate ways, and the band never plays together again after this Chicago performance. Dang. It's, I just think about being a fan, because you don't really know anything that's Mm -hmm. happening. You're like, I miss them. I miss this, like, magical thing that was happening. Mm -hmm. And that would suck. But I'm happy that they decided to not. Um, the, these real people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so then we find out that Camilla, uh, so Julia, his mom, uh, Julia, the one who's doing this whole book, find out that she's passed away before this book was finished. Mm. And, um, Daisy went to rehab with Simone's help. Warren got married and had kids along with Pete, along with Graham. Karen stayed single and a boss. Simone had a daughter who's also a singer and Billy signed a publishing deal with runner records and wrote songs for people for a living. And that way he didn't have to like be in another band. Mm -hmm. Um, and at the end of the book, there is a copy of an email from Camilla to her daughters, basically like telling them, give your dad some time, but after give him Daisy Jones number and tell him to call her. (laughs) Ooh. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, crazy. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about that ending. Mm. I mean, she ships it. So she, she's like, like, she like knew that they loved each other, but it does kind of suck that she dies. I don't know. It's just, it's convenient for sure. Exactly. Exactly. For your OTPs, uh, wedge getting removed you know camilla was the wedge between them she conveniently died yeah and wanted them to be together so they like have her blessing yeah interesting so and they don't like that's the very end they don't show billy or daisy's reaction to that email Mm -hmm. so we don't know we don't know what happens it's very open leads right into the ships of the books yes Um, I did the love trident ship, which is Camilla, Billy, and Daisy. And who do we ultimately ship Billy with? Uh, I got the ship names Billy and Camilla, or Camilly and Bamilla, which basically are my favorites. (laughs) They're very fun to say. Um, Or Daisy and Billy, which is Dilly, Daily, and Baisy. Uh-huh, and Baisy. Okay. I like Baisy. Yeah, Daisy, Vanilla. Um, and so I, 
I think that if Camilla and Billy had not met, then uh, Daisy and Billy would have been together. But I don't think it would have been as good. Hmm. I think Camilla was doing a lot of emotional labor for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, um, Camilla is the only one that's, like, not in addiction and yeah. not in this, like, rock star life and, like, kind of grounded in reality. And, so and I a think mom that, immediately. Yeah. Yeah. A mom immediately. Probably, like, when she's 20 years old. Um, and so I just think that Daisy and Billy would have been like, what is it? They got along like a house on fire. Like it would have been really bad. Yeah. Because he wouldn't have, one of the main reasons why he did go to rehab was because Camilla is like, you don't have a choice. You have to do this. And I don't think that Daisy would have said anything like that to him. Not to be, like, bad against Daisy, but, like, I just don't think that would have been in her repertoire of solutions. No, because based on her relationship with Nicolo, she kind of falls into an enabler kind of relationship where she wants it to just be easy and destructive. So, I think I'm going to go with Camilla. I still, I ship, I ship Billy and Camilla. They're great. I mean, based on the information I have, I support... (laughs) <laughs> I still haven't finished the show. I have like an episode, two episodes left. I'll have to mm. see how they ended there. Uh and then Niccolo and Daisy was difficult to come up with a ship name. Uh Nikesi or Dacolo. 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 Like <laughs> <laughs> but obviously we sink them. They're sunk, the ship is sunk. Bad. They sunk their own ship. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair to say. And then the other, like, major couple was Graham and Karen, which, Graren or Kaham. <laughs> <laughs> I like Kaham because it sounds like Kabam. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> but I just, I wanted them to be together because at the beginning they were so cute and they were so in love yeah. with each other. And I was so excited for their, like, development. But then it just showed that they were just fundamentally, they thought about things differently. Yeah. And they would have been unhappy. They wanted different things, it seems. Yeah. And I guess it's hard to, like, do ships because we do get the, like, future part of this book. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But, um, but yeah, ultimately a slow sinking for them. (laughs) And I know that there were probably other couples, but I was like, these are the main ones. So now, pop culture hypotheticals. The first one that I came up with is what, like, musical artist couple do you want to have the Daisy Jones treatment? Like, that we would get all the information, that we would, oh, like, okay. the NDAs are off. We would get all the info. I mean, this question is so Evelyn Hugo coded, it's great. Um, <laughs> but... People also say they make comparisons between Taylor Swift and Evelyn Hugo. I see you have Taylor Swift in the notes. Like, that is the first person that comes to my mind. I want, I don't want, like I put in my notes, I don't want to see an unredeemable John Mayer. That would be not fun at all. I already know that he's terrible. I want to (laughs) do, like, Joe Jonas, because they're both really young when it happened. Or yeah. Harry Styles and Taylor Swift. Like, I want that information so bad. 
And I want to know if things were PR heavy, like even if there yeah. was like a little crush, if it was like encouraged by PR, like whatever the case was behind the scenes. So much. I want it all. I can't wait until we're old and we get those uh, biographies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I also I put ABBA because mm-hmm. I, they're two couples, right? Oh, I honestly do not know. Did you know that they won um, Eurovision for Sweden? That's how they got famous. Yes. Yeah. So great. Love it. Uh, yes. Two couples. Oh, and at the height of their fame, they both divorced, one in 1980 and one in 1981. Ah, yes. I would like stuff about them. <laughs> That's some tea, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I couldn't think of any other, like... I feel like ta- any any Taylor Swift couple will be the one that I would think of. Yeah. I think of, um, um, we already have the tea on these, but because you said, like, it was inspired so much by Fleetwood Mac, um, yes, I like I want learning about that. I need to learn more. I want it, like, in a book form. And then same mm-hmm. with the Mamas and the Papas, because they had Ooh, love triangle drama. Yeah. yeah. I think Stevie Nicks did write an autobiography called, like, Gold Dust Woman, and I do want to read okay. that. I think of I'm going to try and get it from the library uh, after Absolutely. I'm done with all these books that I have. What a slay. <sighs> yeah. So, um, and then the next question is, like, do any of the characters in this book, like, remind you of any other, like, characters? Um, like, when I was reading it, Billy, like, reminded me of, like, a Dean Winchester type person because he's, like, all about protecting his family he, like, doesn't feel good enough, and he is, like, doing all these other things to, like, stop from processing his own feelings. So, okay, yeah. he just reminded me of that. Basically, anytime there's, like, a sad man, I'm like, is it Dean Winchester or is it Steve <laughs> Harrington? <laughs> uh-huh. You have a type. I even wrote in the book, I I want to, like, re-go back to it later, but... I did like started a playlist for the characters. So a song that I came up for Daisy is You're On Your Own Kid by Taylor Swift. And um, for Billy, there's a song called Darling by Zach Bryan. And I think that it goes pretty well. So I think I'm going to try and like figure out songs for everybody. I think it's cool uh, that now that this is a show, everyone gets to hear the songs. It's that's something I didn't even mention because I was like, I don't have time to think about this. But the author wrote the songs on the last album, Aurora. Like, she wrote songs for it, and it's in the back of the book. Wow. Uh, which That's is very cool. cool. And they didn't use all of her lyrics for the actual mm-hmm. music in the show, but the show has an album, and I listened to it a bunch. It was very cool, cool to, like, get to listen to it. Yeah. They should put it on vinyl. Oh, they should. I would buy it. <laughs> it's a very cool cover. Uh, I really like Honeycomb, the song that they sing together. That one's my favorite. And then Regret Me, the song that Daisy writes. Like, they're all very good. Very fun. Um, and then the... That's what I was going to ask you what you were watching, re- like, most recently. And insert a character from one of those things into the book. Okay. So, I'm watching Doctor Who. I told you I just watched the yes. first season. Um, the 
like of the new series so David Tennant like showed up at the end and there was this weird Christmas special and I hated it um okay he's 10 right uh don't ask me any questions I can't (laughs) I really don't know um but from that first season with Christopher Eccleston and Rose I would say Rose would be she could easily fit into this band of messy romantics because (sighs) there are whole episodes where she just does the dumbest stuff and like (laughs) literally jeopardizes the universe and it's like okay I guess we're going with this like it makes me mad that the writers chose to go that direction but anyway the impulsiveness the romanticism like Mm -hmm. endangering herself I would say she could easily be a daisy because she is like romanticized by other people too like Rose Mm -hmm. is like special and different and like everyone says she's beautiful and like across multi like time and space you know Yeah. yeah Tumblr, because I didn't ever watch Doctor Who, but obviously I really like Sherlock and I like Supernatural, so I was mm-hmm. two-thirds of Super Who Lock. <laughs> so I yeah. know, like, everybody loved Ten and Rose. <laughs> they love who and Rose? Uh, ten I think and Rose. David, yeah, I think David Tennant is ten. Got it. Yeah. I should, I need to start learning this stuff since I'm, like, becoming <laughs> a fan. Yeah, okay, I it know. is Ten and Rose. <laughs> I, like, know a little bit. Okay. So um, she stays on for two seasons. That's interesting. I thought, yeah. like, I keep waiting for her to, like, get kicked off, and then the other girl <laughs> will come in at any moment. I've been River just racing for it. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I the only other watched... thing I've been watching... Sorry. Hmm? <laughs> oh, no. Talk about... I... Hmm. I want to, like, Always Sunny. I can't. <laughs> It's too crazy. Yeah, so, and I can't do it. I know. The only other thing I've been watching, though, basically, is Always Sunny. And uh, I'm trying to think of who I would put in here. And I'm thinking, because <laughs> Charlie has this whole thing where he writes songs. <laughs> so I think oh it would be funny gosh. if they, like, tried to do a writing session with this, like, up-and-coming artist. And it's Charlie Day. <laughs> and he's writing everything in hieroglyphics. Because he doesn't know how to read or write. <laughs> and Billy would be like, the fuck? <laughs> and he would say a lot of things that are, like, very dark, but he doesn't realize they are. Um, oh, that would be so funny, Haley. Yeah, I would love that. <laughs> and he, he would keep talking about ghouls and goblins, and they're like, why? There's no ghouls. There's no goblins. Why are you? <laughs> and they would all be up? like, what drugs is he on? Oh, he what is drugs huffing are he on? spray paint, actually. <laughs> To be specific. Oh my god. Harder than any of them. He is he's the hard rocker for sure. Yeah. He's that would be so funny. Oh my gosh. Oh. Um yeah, I tried to watch I think I watched a couple episodes with Caitlin and then I tried to watch the musical episode. Mm-hmm. The Nightman, and I was like, I can't it's in- do it. It's insane. <laughs> it's it's insane. unhinged. But I love when they first write the song because the hook to it is actually kind it's of great. fun to sing. It's yeah. great. Yeah. <laughs> and I won't do it now. I won't subject you to yeah. that. It's okay. It's great. Um, 
the show that I just, I just watched like a whole season in one day when I was working on the embroidery. I watched the second season of Ted Lasso and I would really like to see Roy Kent in this to like mm-hmm. yell at people and tenderly let them know that they're being idiots yes. because I feel like that is his specialty yes. and I think that him and Camilla would really get along because they both okay. just say what they mean. <laughs> yes, I can totally see that. I love his character. They would be buddies. <laughs> He's, He's so great. He doesn't suffer fools, and nor does she. So they would just yes, understand exactly. each other. Oh, it would be so good. Um, but yeah, that's what I've been watching. I need to watch Queen Charlotte. That's the next thing on my list, because Caitlin mm. really, really likes it, and she's like, I need you to watch it so we can talk nice. about it. And that's a Bridgerton um, spinoff? Yes. So it's cool. about the queen. Uh, and I guess it's based off of like true things, like more yes. based in like history than the rest of the Bridgerton things. Okay, I've heard so, that the character Queen Charlotte was actually like based yeah existed. In history. Yeah, yeah. If you would like to get in touch, please don't pretend to be our credit card company trying to track us down in Thailand to Italy. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at Lit and Love Pod, or you can email us your compliments or guess any questions, suggestions, or passive aggressions at litandlovepod at gmail.com. Bye! Bye!